Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is the final installment in the story of a Uruguayan rugby team trapped in the Andes. Thanks for listening. Mariah? Casey? Mariah, hello. Hey, Casey. Welcome back to your friend restating an episode of a show she saw once (laughs) in this case this show i've seen many times yes yeah part three part three part three so good darling friends if you haven't listened to part one and two you have to go listen to it i can't explain it to you (laughs) yeah no it's mandatory yeah it is it's mandatory listening um so and if you did listen to them and you're still here that's even better and we just love you to pieces (laughs) so uh so i guess as a brief recap uh a charter plane carrying um members of a uruguayan rugby team was crossing the andes crashed some people survived it's bleak Okay. Survived. Uh, We're on day four of their survival. So day four, 27. Getting real hungry. Very hungry. Yeah. Well, (laughs) three days of almost no food. So day four, 27 people remain alive. So Nando came back from the dead on the third day. So... Uh, one of the survivors was believed to not be dead, but that the other survivors did not believe he would survive. And uh, following three days in a coma, he's woken up, unfortunately, just in time for his sister to die in his arms. Mm. And so now the other survivors have had three days to adjust which isn't nearly enough time to adjust in any meaningful way but nando's just woken up nando's mother and sister are dead and nando has this deep decision in his heart that he wants to survive nando decides he's going to do anything he can to get back to his father who no doubt believes that his wife his daughter and his son have all died they're waiting for helicopters so while nando was in the coma and the others were still alive uh, they had heard helicopters overhead now they begin to fear what is in fact the case that the white fuselage buried in the snow was invisible to the helicopters and they hadn't been seen. But they hold out hope that maybe they have been seen. They heard helicopters when it had been right there. So they continue to hope that rescue is coming. Uh, Nando pours over the maps. He goes into the cockpit, uh, gets the, the maps that the pilots have been using and pours over them, looks around with his, you know, this very limited field of vision that they have and takes the information that the other men gave him, which was that the uh, co-pilot Dante had said that they had already passed Corico, Corico being the westernmost point, uh, a small village that if they had passed Corico, in fact, it would have been safe to turn south or no, it would have been safe to turn north and they never would have crashed. But believing the pilot, believing that they'd passed Corico, 
uh, Nando comes to believe that the mountain that they see to the west is the end of the Andes. He believes that if they can climb that mountain, if he can get over that mountain, on the other side of it, he'll see green fields, foothills, just, you know, the beauty of, of warm Argentina, full of food, full of rescue, you know, where and where. Mm. So he desperately wants to climb over that mountain. And he talks to Carlitos, who's one of the boys who's a friend of his, and he says, you know, I want to climb over the mountains to to freedom. And Carlitos says, like, buddy, <laughs> how? You know, and, and right. again, because he's had three days, you know, of, of being here. How are you going to do that? Yeah. And Carlitos, for reference, I mean, it's it's there's no way to truly, like, Uh, communicate everyone's personality in this right but these are you know a band of young men and one nice married couple (laughs) Liliana and Javier uh, and they're you know banding together so it's impossible to get everyone's personality and strengths and weaknesses across but Carlitos is kind of like a little bit of a moral support he and uh liliana are are both devoutly religious they are kind of like the saints of the group they're really encouraging and gentle right so carlitos isn't calling him stupid he's just saying like you're starving your skull is cracked like you're not climbing the mountain buddy like come on you know Mm, and and rescue is coming right like we heard the helicopters right uh marcello who was the um the team captain before all this happened is kind of taken on that leadership role and he is not not deviating from the party line the helicopters came we heard them they're coming back for us so mm. as they they continue to hold on to that hope but Nando is so determined to get back to his father that he keeps he he starts to kind of ruminate and obsess over that idea of climbing over the mountains because it feels like it's right there. Anyone who's ever been uh, anywhere near a mountain, on a mountain, or seen a mountain from far away, it our brains have a hard time really understanding the scale of a mountain. So it really yeah. does look like it's right there. Um, in fact, for reference, the mountain that they can see is. 14,000 feet and they're at around 10,000 feet so it's actually 4,000 feet in elevation over them jeez they are starving the food rations they've been trying to ration the very small amount of food that they have you know just airport airplane food right chocolate right they're not rationing smokes because they have all the cigarettes they could ever want i truly don't know like i don't know if somebody was worried they wouldn't have their brands or whatever it is but they got smokes they're set on ciggies so they (laughs) uh they figured out how to create uh drinkable liquid water but the process is slow so during the day it's cold um, but it's in the like 30 degree range during the day, which uh, so 30 degree Fahrenheit. So around zero, negative one uh, mm-hmm. Celsius, which um, and, and very, very sunny, blindingly sunny. So uh, snow blindness is a word for when you're uh, not just anybody who's ever been out in snow, like can say that 
the way the snow reflects or the way the light reflects off the snow can be really blinding it's so bright yeah snow blindness is when your eyes get sunburned your eyeballs Mm. get sunburned and you really can't see so the it's blinding white uh the only space that they have that's indoors is the fuselage itself which is not a large space and there's 27 people right so at night when it's negative 40 they're able to to get in close together and keep each other just warm enough to survive but it's either outside in the blinding snow or inside in the you know cramped space uh they find a radio right they find like a little like pocket transistor radio that someone had brought they mess around with it trying to see if they can get it to work but obviously they're not getting any reception they're not they're not picking up any signals here in the mountains so far away from anything else uh they try so a couple of the lads uh like think you know well uh we could try to go and find the tail section so we talked about how they uh tried to use the uh pilot's radio right the radio in the cockpit to contact uh for help uh but of course as all of our darling listeners know the the electricity on the plane comes from the engines or sometimes from the momentum of the plane uh like the air passing over the plane using baby belly propelli um but the when the plane is crashed and totally stationary, it would need an external power source to work, right? Uh, and they believe that there are, ra- there are batteries that will power that radio, but those batteries are supposed to be in the tail section of the plane. So they want to find the tail section. They have no idea how far it is, where it is. They know that it must be uh, east of where they are, but that's really all they know. They try to set out to look for the tail section of the plane. Three of them get together and slowly just starving, freezing, blind, try to walk out to the where they think the tail section might be. The people who stayed back can see them, right? They, they watch them for hours and hours and hours as they painfully walk through the snow. And hours and hours later, they can still see them because they can't get anywhere. They can't move with any speed. So they come back in time. The sun sets at four o'clock. They come back in time and they're just crushed. The, they're at high altitude. Obviously, we talk about altitude a lot in this show. So uh, they're at high altitude. And besides the fact, what that means, again, is there's um, every breath they take. People say there's not as much oxygen in the air. There's actually the same amount of oxygen in the air, but the uh, there's there's less air. So as they breathe in, they're getting less oxygen as they which means they have to breathe more frequently which means that their mouths dry out faster which means that they need more water they don't have enough energy it's just impossible it's just impossible for them to trek and find the tail section they're starving yeah and they need to find that tail section 
they take the seats, the cushions of the seats on the plane, and they figure out how to rig them into snowshoes, which do allow them to move more quickly, but not quickly enough to outpace their own starvation, their own lack of oxygen, their own exhaustion. The sun. The sun, exactly. So day four comes to an end. Day five, try repeatedly try to go using snowshoes, using extra cushioning, taking extra water. They try different things to try to get out to look for the uh, uh, tail section. And every time they just have to and come And they're coming back. back each day? Each day they're coming back. And okay. they're never actually walking far enough away that the other people can't still see them, which is very right. discouraging. If you imagine that you're the the ones walking imagine you're walking for hours and hours using every single drop mm. of your strength and when you realize we have to turn back you turn around and you can just see where you just were you can see them yeah it's just Gosh. Des- destroying day six they are uh, like overwhelmed with their hunger so they start to try to rip the uh, leather off of luggage that they do have they try to eat their shoes they try to eat hair gel they just everything that they have that they think could possibly be edible they try to eat Uh, they had heard stories like most of us have of people like in in Uh, Arctic expeditions in the 1800s, things like that, where people would eat the leather on their clothing or shoes. Mm -hmm. But the leather that they have now, like on the, their luggage or on their shoes is, is dyed. It's chemically, even as they're trying to eat it and totally starving, they realize that eating this is just going to create more problems. It's not going to nourish them and it's going to make them sick. Day seven, day eight, Day nine, day 10, everybody is thinking it. Mm. Nando says to Carlitos, I want to eat the pilot. Carlitos, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what Carlitos says. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Everybody's been thinking it. Some people have been saying it, but nobody's been talking about it seriously. They just want to get rescued. They heard the helicopters. They just want this to be over. Nobody wants to do it. They're good Catholic lads. They are not sure how the church feels about eating people. They're just not (laughs) sure. They don't know. These are people who were their friends. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that the person who Nando's mind kind of latched onto is the pilot. Uh, there was a little bit of in different interviews. Sometimes he said that in that moment, he said like, it's his fault anyway. And I know that's like, sounds really callous, but I, I think about again, how your brain isn't working well. He had had a catastrophic brain injury and I can just imagine that you have anger that has to go somewhere. You know, he doesn't have, Mm -hmm. he doesn't have vitriol. He doesn't like rail against the pilot all the time or something like that. It's just, yeah, the pilot isn't your teammate. He's not your buddy. He's not your neighbor. He's not your mom. Right. So they talk about it. Liliana and Javier are the our mother and father of the group. They've got four kids at home. They're both like, no, we're no way. We're not going to eat people. We're just not going to do it. It's not happening. They 
all kind of go back and forth, back and forth. Finally, Roberto Canesa. So Roberto is uh, one of the first year medical students. And he basically says, guys, we are going to die. We are going to starve to death. Our bodies have already started to break down our muscle tissue for fuel. Our bodies are trying to access our fat. And when that is gone, our body is going to start to break down our organs yeah. in an effort to survive. I know you read, he's basically like, I know it says, you know, you read, you can go 50 days, 40 days without food. No, let's not fool around. Our <laughs> bodies are using a tremendous amount of calories up here. We're starving. We're hungry. This is protein. This is food, right? Well, not to mention they're soccer players. So how much fat do they really have on their body to begin with? Well, exactly. Right? Like, they have, I mean, or rugby, I mean, I'm sure to a certain extent they've been able to do as well as they have for this long in part because they were right. in good shape, right? Because they're young, because they're, they're not professional, but they're um, semi-professional athletes. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they're, your body breaks down muscle listen kids your body breaks down muscle before it breaks down fat that's just the way it goes your muscle is just right. more useful more accessible energy than your fat tissue so stop starving yourselves it's not funny anyway <laughs> exactly but the, exactly the um uh, so uh, roberto takes like the medical approach like we're gonna die it doesn't make sense for us to die nando says like they're not there anymore they're not there anymore. Their soul has left their body. They're not there. This is yeah. just food at this point. Our sweet boy, Carlitos, Carlitos says part of our sacred practice as Catholics is like eating the, the body and blood of Christ. These people have died so that we can live like he he leans into instead of into the idea that god's going to be angry at them he leans into you know this is sacred that that we could survive after someone else has died mm. so on day 10 they have this argument they go on and on and finally someone just makes the first move walks over cuts off a piece of the pilot eats it mm. raw cold there's no fire Oof. i don't know if people gather this so there's no grass there's no wood there's no fire right eating people so here we are eating people so they go to bed javier and liliana do not eat any of the pilot that day they don't eat anything they go to bed hungry day 11 the folks who have eaten have a little bit of strength left, right? Their brains aren't ruminating on hunger exclusively anymore. They're, they've frankly talked about something that they were all thinking and that can, it can feel good to get that kind of thing off your chest, right? If you're ruminating on something and you're thinking like, why don't we just, we have like, we just have to eat, we have to eat, we have to eat, we have to eat, you know, the, um, the they have more mental energy more physical energy they're less distracted and they probably just feel better i think it's worth saying that when folks in the u.s in parts of europe in different places when you think about eating meat right when you think about eating any kind of meat um the it's usually the muscle tissue, right? And it's really important just to be aware of the fact that if you are ever in a survival situation, 
like of any kind, whatever the meat is that you have available, you cannot just eat the muscle tissue, right? You have to eat, you have to eat organs. You have to eat the whole entire, mm-hmm. um, everything that's there. Because if you just eat protein, if you only eat protein, your body, you a will not get the nourishment you need, but b your body will not be able to utilize that appropriately. And over time, you will still starve. Like you will still die of starvation eating meat all the time, eating eating just the the muscle tissue all the time. So their right. bodies basically dictate this for them so they're not just eating muscle tissue they eat everything they eat organs they eat everything that's available and that is what allows them to genuinely feel strengthened it's not just that they've got something in their belly it's not just the psychological um, benefit of having something to eat and having this kind of taboo thing at least talked about but it's also the fact that they listen to their bodies or their body just was calling the shots, whatever it is. And they consumed, uh, and they received all of the nourishment that was available to them. Right. They needed it. They needed it. They needed it. Yeah. They, uh, start to with, with this mental energy, with this physical energy, they start to go back to that transistor radio, right. That like pocket radio. And they start to think like, okay, but maybe like, what if we, we've got these like aluminum, plates from behind the seats we've got some you know metal like they've got some stuff they can kind of scrap right they so they start to basically make like a super long antenna of aluminum and different scrap stuff they they and attach it to the antenna of the transistor radio they're messing with it they're going through channels and stuff and oh my gosh they pick up a signal. They pick up a radio mm-hmm. signal. They they actually get it to work. So everybody is like gathered around. They're so excited. They're like scrolling through channels and looking for news, hoping to hear news about the search efforts for them. And they find it. They find news and they're talking about their crash. And they say that they're calling the search off because everyone is presumed oh. dead. They hear that part. Wow. They hear it. They hear it. They hear them. Oh. And devastated. Devastated. Yeah. Devastated. Because no. I mean, it takes an incredible amount of will to live to get to this point. And yeah. then to hear something like that. Oof. Well, there's everything, right? So they there's their own predicament. There's the fact that. I mean, they think about their their families, right? Their families. Nando thinks about his father, who now must believe that they're all dead, must believe he's lost his entire family on a day trip. Like, the people think about their families. People think, again, about themselves, about the fact that they're not dead. They're there. They're right there. They heard the helicopters. Like, they... It just devastates them. And... Nando is 100% the only one who's talking about trying to go climb over the mountains. Everybody else who's been trying to trek, even looking for the tail section, which isn't over a 
14,000 foot mountain, right? Like they, he's really the only one who believes that. So some of the other guys go like, okay, so maybe we can go and find those batteries. We can get the radio to work and then we can be rescued, right? Maybe we can still figure out a way to contact somebody. If we're able to pick up a signal using the radio, maybe, maybe. So Nando is just more resolved than ever that he's going to walk over those mountains, but his body is still weak and he knows he's going to need somebody to go with him. And he feels like the guy for the job is Roberto Canesa. He, the, the first year med student, he's like, um, or one of two first year med students. And he feels like he's, he's the guy, he's the one like, let's, let's do it. And he talks to Roberto and Roberto is kind of like, like, Okay, <laughs> you know, like I mean, no, we're, yeah. we're not going to be able to do that. It's not possible, and it's not. He he's he doesn't like shoot him down. They're they're friends. They're all friends, right? These are buddies. Yeah. Um, so it's not like he shoots him down. But Roberto just does not think this is going to happen. But like, yeah, Nando, yeah. Well, well, let's let's. I don't know, right? Or or on another level, probably just doesn't want to hear it, kind of. Like, they just heard that they're not going to be rescued. So everybody's kind of in subtly different places mentally, but this kind of basic, our families believe that we are dead, they have given up on us, no one is coming. That cold, hard reality is sickening. Yeah, gosh. So Carlitos's dad, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but Carlitos' father, Carlos Paez, has not given up. Carlos Paez does not, He's he just, he doesn't know if his son is alive or dead. He doesn't know if they're all alive or dead, but they didn't find them. He knows the plane didn't disappear. He knows that that plane is there in the Andes somewhere and he's not giving up. So when the search, the official search ends, uh, Carlos starts to drive, stays in Argentina and, and gets a car and starts to drive into like remote villages in the mountains just to ask locals, have you seen a plane? Did you hear a crash? Have you, you know, seen anything weird? And just literally drives around from place to place to place and becomes kind of like a minor celebrity in these remote villages because they're like, wow, like, you know, A, he really wants to find his son and B, you know, it's just, they don't get a lot of visitors, right? These are remote villages in the mountains, right? So he's driving around. He is not giving up, not giving up. Uh, over time, uh, Carlos Paez actually convinces Uruguay, so the country, his his country of nationality, the country that the um, plane came from, uh, to charter a uh, plane, an aircraft, to go and take him, take him, because he's getting on that plane, right? He's been, he's been, <laughs> he was in an, a helicopter looking for the boys when the search effort was still ongoing. And he asked Uruguay, you know, like, let's, like, he convinces them to do another search, right? He uh, is in the plane and they're up there taking pictures and stuff like that. And they see a cross in the snow. They see a cross, like a clearly human made, like, absolutely not a natural occurrence 
uh, naturally occurring structure. He sees this cross kind of like it looks like it's stamped into the snow and he sees that and he's like, this is them. This is them. They made a symbol. My boy is such a good Catholic. My boy loves the Lord. He, <laughs> he put this cross there so that they would know that we're, that 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 they're alive and they uh like bring this back and he's like so full of hope and he's like we have to go back right away we have to find them they have to be near that spot and they find out that it's a structure that the uruguayan uh the the researchers use to measure snow so the the points of the cross are at different heights so it can help them measure how high the snow is so that they know how much water to expect in the spring when the snow melts so they can prepare so his heart is broken again but Mm. he's just not going to give up he's just not going to give up if he has to drive to every single village in the andes he's not giving up my, it's like the uh, Australian parents. Yeah, Kiwis, but yeah, yeah. I only say Gosh. that because the Kiwis don't like to be called Australian. But oh, were they? Were they Kiwis? They were Kiwis, and okay. I think I boy, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But <laughs> so day eleven, they find out that day ten, they start to consume the bodies. Day eleven, they find out that no one is looking for them. Day twelve. Day 13, day 14, day 15, day 16, it snows and snows and snows and snows and snows. It just snow, snow, snow. There's nothing they can do. They stay inside the fuselage. They wait. They try to stay warm. And it just builds and builds and builds. They're stuck inside this tiny space. They survive. They eat. They pray, they smoke cigarettes, they melt snow for water, they talk every day about the idea of, you know, after uh, the snow lets up, you know, we have more strength now, we're getting to rest, we're getting to heal, we're getting, you know, uh, more stabilized. So after it stops snowing, we'll go and we'll walk to the tail section, we'll find the batteries, we'll call them, we'll let them know we're alive, they'll find us. Day 17, in the middle of the night, everyone's asleep in the fuselage, and they hear a sound like galloping horses coming toward them. Mm. All at once, an avalanche crashes into the plane. If you picture in your mind the plane head sledded down uh, nose first so the entrance the the back that where the hole in the back of the plane is facing up on the mountain the avalanche crushes into them and packs snow into the plane into this tiny tube where 27 people are sleeping instant panic yeah. anybody who's free anybody who's not 
trapped under the crushed snow starts to desperately try to dig the entrance is completely obstructed totally packed there's no way to push snow out of the back it's totally crushed in so they they try to dig but there's a very very small like one to two feet of space in between the top of this snow and the ceiling of the plane you know how small a plane is they're in this tiny tiny tube there are 20 seven people in there the snow is packed in as they try to dig people out as soon as you move snow off of one person you're pushing it onto another person they dig in the complete darkness middle of the night try to pull each other out find people who had been crushed or killed by the impact of the snow for the next few minutes so the the snow if you're caught in an avalanche even if you survive the initial avalanche you will suffocate quickly from the snow covering you for the next 10 minutes they dig 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 trying pushing snow to one side pushing snow to the other side trying to see who's still alive who they can rescue javier lives liliana dies Marcelo, the team captain, is dead. That nice boy who had the bar stuck in him the first day and got ripped mm. out is dead. The other student, the other first-year medical student, is dead. Oh, no. In total, 19 people survived the avalanche. Two wow. two severe injuries. Eight people die. Mm. Even surviving the initial avalanche, those first 10 minutes after the avalanche, they're in this tight, enclosed space. The back is totally packed shut. They can't escape. There's no exit. And there's only like 18 inches of space that they're crammed into with they're on top of some people who are dead, but they're also with people who are dead. They're with, I mean, Javier is with the body of his wife, the mother of his four children. Mm. She was like, she was the only woman who was still surviving. She was, by all accounts, an absolute saint, a huge, like, mm. kind, soft presence. And now her husband, who was sleeping next to her, alive a few minutes ago, has is with her and she's dead. They don't know if they're all going to die anyway because they don't know if they're going to run out of oxygen because they're in this tight enclosed space trying to compose themselves, trying to breathe. They find like a metal piece that's gotten uh, like ripped apart, like ripped away and they uh, are able to make it sharp and they literally stab a hole into the roof of the fuselage above them which makes an air hole so they know that they won't suffocate, but it also lets in this cold, bitter, howling wind. And they wait until sunrise. And they slowly Gosh. dig out the back of the plane, push the snow out, and wait for the snow to melt. They drag the bodies of the people who are just alive 
were just there with them just a few minutes ago. Place them with the other bodies, bury them in a couple inches of snow. So, on day 18, there are 19 boys remaining. No one is coming for them. But they are alive. And they believe in their heart that in all likelihood they're going to die. But as long as they are alive, they just have to figure out how to survive, how to live. Most of them aren't really thinking about escape, but Nando is determined to see his father again. So they uh, make a pact between all of them. They all agree that if, if I die, please take my body. If I die, I want you to live. And that pact besides, um, uh, frankly, it like serves to help them feel better about being forced to eat the bodies of their friends, but it also bonds them right in a really profound way. Mm. They agree to uh, try not to eat the bodies of Nando's mother and sister, or to eat Javier, the body of Javier's wife. So they have them set aside, but they all agree, well, they decide that the goal is that they hope with all their hearts that they won't eat them. Gosh. I know. Having to pick and choose. I know. It's horrible. It's horrible. They um, start to try to find a routine, right? Like, what can you do? They... Uh, clear all of the snow out of the fuselage following the uh, avalanche. They place the bodies separately. They put the bodies that are uh, to be consumed separately from the bodies that they're hoping they don't have to consume. They only have so many hours of daylight every day. So during that time, they try to or automatically maybe fall into a routine of survival. Surviving is not easy. They're not in a, a campground, right? Like they're surviving all by itself is difficult. Forget about survival or forget about escape. Forget about anything like that. The At night, it gets so, 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 so cold, right? But during the day, the while the sun is uh, up, the it can actually get to above freezing, which means that it melts. And anybody who lives in a cold area knows that like that is not a great time of year where it freezes at night and thaws during the morning because you get the snow melts, uh, makes everything wet, and then it freezes and everything is icy. So one of the things that they need to do is during the day, they have to try to dry out the fuselage after it was packed in full of snow. It's all wet and damp and it's their only shelter. So one of the projects that they have to do every day is try to dry it out as much as they can. They have to gather water. It takes time to like set up the those aluminum... Uh, slabs that they folded to melt snow. They have to 
frankly, harvest food. Um, they mm. have to care for people who are injured. So there's some people who were really seriously injured uh, with compound fractures during the initial crash who they've been caring for and need to keep caring for. Um, but now there's additional wounded people. So they're, it's like the worst war hospital you can imagine. Gosh. Rafael and Arturo are uh, two of the boys who were injured severely uh, with compound fractures in their legs on the uh, first in the initial crash. And they care for them as best they can, but they they don't have anything sterile. They can't they can't set their legs. They can't do anything right. But they care for them as best they can. Meanwhile, while they're trying to fall into this pattern, while they're while they're just trying to survive on this mountain, uh, Carlos Paez, Carlitos's father, is out there looking for them. The search has been called off. No nation, no government is searching for them, period. But Carlos Paez is driving through the mountains, trying to go to like little tiny remote villages with like five families, asking them if they've seen anything, if they've heard anything, if they saw a plane, anything at all. These are very, very, very remote areas, places that uh, might not, won't have TV necessarily or anything like that. So might not be aware of the crash without him checking. Mm. unfortunately the answer is always no but but this is you know uh ranch areas right so people like literal cowboys you know what i mean right. people who villages where people go out so he says you know if you're ever you know out with the cattle right you might see something you might hear something you know please let me know and uh he has which means he has to like go back to these villages because not necessarily like they have a really easy way of of finding him so he's just totally dedicated his son meanwhile is kind of like the has taken on the role of of like the spiritual nourishment of the group uh carlitos was they're all devout catholics but carlitos really has it like his his faith is integrated with survival for him mm. he is uh he has a rosary that he he prays with routinely he prays uh at in the evening and and he's just especially um following the av avalanche he really takes up that that is his purpose Gosh. his duty i mean you have to what else like how else could you even survive something like that? I don't know. I don't know. It's done, but I don't know how. <laughs> right, right. You know? Exactly. Uh, there's this idea that they have that maybe if they find the rear of the aircraft, maybe they'll find something that they can use. And uh, they're aware that in the rear of the plane, there are meant to be batteries. And those batteries, they think in theory, could work to somehow power the radio. They're just trying to figure it out. So they start to go on these kind of like expeditions, these exploring missions. They uh, The snow in places goes all the way up to their waist the snow is very 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 deep in places um they they make kind of like these you know uh very rudimentary snowshoes so they can walk they're making these different expeditions but the they're weak and they're tired 
and the altitude is really, really causing them to suffer. So if you live in Denver, if you live in like a mountainous region, right, your body will adjust to that. But they're over the altitude where your body is just going to adjust and you'll be fine. They're above the altitude where human beings really or anything can live, which is why they have to eat the bodies of their loved ones because nothing can really live here for any length of time. So the altitude sickness is um, adding to their, their, you know, their minds aren't working as well. Everything's slowed down. Their bodies are exhausted. If you um, have anemia or, you know, what it's just like to be out of breath, right? When there's literally less oxygen in your coming into your body, your Blood cells don't have any oxygen to take anywhere, so you feel out of breath all the time. It's just this very, very, very exhausting ordeal just to go 600 feet, just to go what what would seem like a couple blocks to us under normal circumstances. Right. But they, besides gathering water, besides those like routine lifestyle things, right, they, they just... They're hoping they want to find something. So they uh, go out on different expeditions here and there day to day when they have uh, can can muster the energy. Uh, There are crevasses, which I can't pretend to understand exactly what that is. Like, I don't know how that forms geologically. You're not just saying crevice in a fancy accent. Exactly. So, right. Exactly. So I, in the past have fought, have resisted saying crevasse because I'm like, that just sounds like dumb crevice, but a crevasse is like a specific thing that happens in, I think glaciers, maybe in mountains too. I think it's just glaciers. I could be wrong about that, but a crevasse is a, um, like the ground splitting open. Basically it's Mm. like a very, very, very narrow ice ravine that you can just fall into and the thing is is that snow as it snows snow can cover it up so you cannot see it you can't see oh, it oh wow so as they're trying to go on these expeditions they're one of the things they're trying to watch out for are crevasses and on one of these expeditions uh, they discover the body of one of their friends who had fallen out the back of the plane on the, during the initial crash in a crevasse and they can't there's nothing they can do his i mean they can't retrieve his body but that besides being so sad and so difficult it obviously increases their fear of falling into a crevasse the expeditions are hard enough and scary enough but that adds to it Jeez, they as they're like trying to, so they, they explore and they go, you know, a little further, a little further, they get a little more familiar with the area around them. Um, but they can't go anywhere where they'd have to be gone for more than uh, a day, right? They can't go, and I don't mean 24 hours, like they, they only have daylight to go somewhere and to go back. So that when they're so tired, when the going is so slow, that really limits how far they can look. 
because they don't have anywhere, any way of surviving away from the fuselage overnight. Right. And, you know, Nando has been ready this whole time to like walk over the mountains to the West and get out of here. But again, they just have no way of surviving away from the fuselage when it's negative 40 at night. So they try to, you know, see like, well, how many shirts can we layer? How many of this, how many of that, whatever. And obviously the the danger is, so if they go out and they find the rear of the plane, then theoretically they might be able to survive. If they find it, they might be able to survive inside of it, right? That's possible if it's remotely intact, if it's mm. if they find it in the first day, they could 100% be in a position where they would be able to see it, but not be able to get there before darkness. But there is all the time this thing hanging over your head where uh, we are probably going to die. like, And we are not going to survive by staying here. One day they just decide, okay, today's the day we're going to we're just going to look for the fuselage. And if we don't come back, we don't come back. Maybe there's going to be something there that will help us get rescued. And there's nothing here that's going to help us get rescued. So right. one day, Nando, uh, Roberto, who's the med student who's surviving, and Antonio. So three of the lads decide that today's the day. We're going to go. And if we don't come back, we don't come back. It's easier to die than to live easier to to die trying than it is to try to survive here so they take whatever they can they 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 layer up as much as they can keep in mind there are no coats even they they were going from a warm place to a warm place they literally do not even have coats the best they have are like long sleeve shirts maybe Jeez. like a rain jacket right so they layer up as best they can they set out and climb for the first time over this ridge where that that blocked their view from anything else and when they get to the top of that ridge oh my god they can see the fuselage there it is at the rear of the fuselage they can see the tail section and so they they head toward it thank god they make it there in time um and they you know search through everything they they see what there is uh, they find uh chocolate some chocolates they find there you go. more more cigarettes of oh course oh my gosh they find a camera, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and they find the batteries. They actually do find the batteries. Wow. And it's very exciting, right, to find the batteries. But now they, there's no way they can get back before night. So they are going to have to sleep inside the rear of the fuselage. So they cram in. They they. Tr- try to block the opening as best they can. They They hunker down and sleep and i think about the men who are left at the main fuselage i just imagine them like watching their friends walk away and that night when they didn't come back just i don't know i can't imagine that feeling because it's like okay like they're that mix and this is what they're living with all the time is an unbelievable extreme despair lots of reason to despair and an insistence on hope and or or and or maybe the irritation of hope 
right? Sometimes that can be like, I can imagine, I can imagine thinking it would be easier to assume they were a dad. It would be easier to assume we're all dad, right? Like it, it, than to have this ongoing kind of unbreakable hope that anyway, so the next morning they do wake up, they survive very, very, very little sleep. They set out as early as they can. There's um, in the very, very early morning is actually when it's the easiest to walk because the snow is still frozen because uh, of the, you know, extreme cold temperatures at night. But as the sun moves throughout the sky during the day, it melts the snow and it makes you fall into it again up to, you know, your your knees, your thighs, your waist, like you and, and God forbid you fall into a crevasse and you're gone. Right? They make it back to the main fuselage and the uh the batteries are kind of like the main thing right the batteries are what they were hoping they would find and they found them and one lad roy had set up a stereo once at home so he's the expert on radios So they they take the batteries and they go into the cockpit and they kind of like open it up, open up the um, panel to see if the, where they can put the batteries and like wires just like pour out. They're damaged. They're broken. There's just like a heap of wires. And Roy tries really, really, really tries to figure out how to fit them back together, how to repair them. He's like trying to see if this wire goes to this or that. Like he's following them. Like he's, he tries and tries and tries. And I mean, in the end, it's impossible. It's impossible. Mm. Gosh, that's got to be so disheartening. I can't imagine. Like the one thing that you're, you're like, survived this long. Okay, I got this radio thing. And nope. Right, right. So they still have the um, the camera, though. And so they're kind of like, okay, yeah, we're going to die. But maybe someday someone will find this site. Maybe wow. someday someone will climb here. So, like, let's take some pictures like, let's leave a record that we survived, that we were still here, you know. And, and so they do. They, they start to take, you know, photos of themselves. They take different things. It's, it's um, however, I don't know how many, like, rolls of film they had, but they had the one that was in the camera because they had been a vacation. So, yeah, they right. found the camera with a roll of film in it and there's and it you can't see what the pictures look like which on some level might almost be good because I mean they're starving even with I mean the the food that they do have they have to uh, ration it right it's not an infinite food source so I, it might be hard to look at yourself so maybe on some level it's almost good that they couldn't see what the pictures looked like Right. So they, they're in their routine. They're doing their expeditions. Now there's no more reason to take an expedition. But Nando does have in his head, they couldn't have survived without the fuselage. But he knows now, again, if he wants to get out, like west is it? The only way to get out of there is west. And he just keeps staring at this big mountain. And that that's the one mountain in between him and Chile, that's the one mountain between him and survival, him and his father. And he 
just now that there's no other hope, period, he's determined. He knows he can't go alone. He knows they have to figure out some way to survive at night. Those are unanswered questions. But he did. He likes Roberto. He likes Roberto. He likes how he thinks. He likes he's he likes his personality. They're good friends. They're all friends. But everybody knows that even in a group of friends, you'll feel you'll get on better with someone or you have somebody who who you work better on a project with, whatever. Right. And so he keeps kind of telling Roberto, like, hey, like let's walk over the mountains there's no other way to get there he like shows him the maps that he got from the cockpit he's like look i really think like he's the, this is what the pilot said that we were past Corico. i think that if we climb over that mountain like it's right there it's right there like and roberto was like we we cannot and the other thing is that roberto is the only person with any medical knowledge and mm. he feels responsible i mean he's a first year med student Right. A first year med student. And it's October. I don't know when their school year starts, but I don't think he's that deep into the program. Right. So, well, by now it's November. But the um, he just. A, he just doesn't think they'll make it. And B, like particularly Arturo and Rafael, the, the two young men who can't walk who have compound fractures, hideous injuries. He's got to take care of them, right? Right. On day 34, during the night, Arturo, I'll say it like this, on day 34, in the middle of the night, Gustavo, one of the young men is sleeping and feels something thwack him in the head. Oh God. He wakes up. I know. And he wakes up and uh, Arturo, one of the young men who had devastating injuries to his legs, says, uh, I'm dying. I think I'm dying. He's developed gangrene infection. Oof. Gustavo gets up and goes and holds him and tries to do what he can for a long time, for a long time. And finally Arturo says, like, no, I'm I'm dying. No. And Gustavo holds him and and he dies. Mm. On day 37, Raphael, the other young man with really severe injuries, has also developed gangrene, and he dies. The next day, I'll say it like this. So during this time, as the days and weeks and now a month have just winded on and on and on and on with nothing to eat except their friends. Uh, Numa is one of the, the guys, and this is something that does happen. Uh, we'll talk more about the ethics or experiences or whatever of, of cannibalism, but what can happen is people, sometimes like people say, I know I could never do that, and I'm not 
inclined to believe them just on a personal level like just when I think I think like I bet you would like given the situation Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that more but but uh what can happen is what happened to Numa which is where he became too disgusted it just he couldn't do it and it wasn't ethical or like religious or spiritual it was just a visceral physical I cannot do it anymore I cannot And he never complained, he didn't fuss. He was very, very, very kind, sweet, and loved. And everyone is starving, but they're watching one of their friends actually starve to death. Gosh. He has nothing, he eats nothing day after day after day. And on day 38, at 55 pounds. Wow. He finally dies. 55 pounds. 55 pounds. What is it? 23, 23 kilos? Oh maybe. my God. That, wow. Yeah. It, I can't. It's unfathomable. I, I can't imagine it from his position and i can't imagine it from their friends like just from i can't imagine watching you are also starving you're all starving right watching him like truly starve to death well and it must be such like a mind fuck too because it's like you're watching your friends starve to death and you understand that they can't do it you also feel like you can't do it but you have an answer like there is this thing to eat and you are not like i like just yeah from all of the perspectives like it's just one total delirious mind fuck right yeah yes i it's and the, i think it's like what is the answer the answer is to eat another human that's like not not an answer right. you know right well, that's just, I think that's a good point too, right? Because you're also almost certainly, um, I don't know, it is disgusting. What I mean by that more than anything is that it's it's raw, right? Like, I, right. I, I think that almost certainly most people's brains will transfer into, well, well, your body is in charge at that point often, right? Your body is really calling right. the shots. So your body says, you need this like protein fat, you need this nutrition, and you're going to eat it. So, but, but you can't like make a compelling case. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's exactly right. <sighs> like obviously no judgment from either of us, but like it is no. like, it is disgusting. And you really it's, would have to yeah. play mental mind games in order to overcome that. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah. man. And once your brain, again, I, I think that that really is it on some level. I mean, they're, surviving and we you know it's really easy to use that word in like a lot of different contexts but they're surviving meaning they are like their body and their like the basest part of their spirit is it right this there's no they can't think straight they have no oxygen their brains have do not have enough oxygen to function normally it is like instinct there and and your body making these decisions and gosh his body his his gustatory system 
was too activated by the experience and his body said no. And again, he didn't express disgust to at like his friends. Like it wasn't anything right. like that. He said like all of them that the people could, could eat his body after he died, which I mean, 55 pounds. Oh my right. gosh. gosh. I can't. And they're like, these are rugby players. They're right. big guys at the beginning of this. Gosh. <sighs> I no. Hmm. I was just going to say, it, it reminds me of that fucking Venezuela show. Remember? We yeah, seriously. Yes. But like, That's a very they're literally starving themselves for like a game show. Right. Oh, God. Right. The psychological thing there is that they can escape. And this is exactly ab- right. And I think that that's maybe on some level, like Nando has in his head that they can escape. Right. And that, again, e- even if it is, that's not like a wealth. He wants to plan it out. But the idea that we can escape is something that he can't let go of right he's right like, it haunts you it. he's upset right right to look i can't even imagine starving watching your friends die and then like looking at a mountain in front of you and again just like human brains are kind of dumb right mountains right. look <laughs> small when you're when and and i'm definitely not calling them dumb i'm just saying that like our brains our perception yeah. it's very very hard for our minds to conceive of how big a mountain is right so looking in front of them it just looks like if I just get to the other side of that, if I just get to the other side of that, like just west of that mountain is is a green valley where with with food and everything that I left behind. So yeah. the days drag on. There are 16 still remaining. And... Nando keeps talking to Roberto, keeps talking to Roberto, keeps talking to Roberto. And finally, Roberto is like, yeah, okay, okay. And then again, on some level, I, I think it had to be the fact that his, his patients have died. So... Now, Nando's going to run with this. Okay, Roberto said yes. He's going, right? So now the question is, how? How do we do this? Um, They have solved a handful of problems. So one of the problems is snow blindness. There's no trees. There's no shade. It's just snow, reflective white snow. So snow blindness, where your eyes, you know, literally get sunburned it's not just mm-hmm. having the sun in your eyes your 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 corneas are sunburned right and they had already um cut out uh like window panels from the plane and made these like kind of ramshackle sunglasses mm-hmm. and right. it's not great but it's better than not being able to see so uh they talk about what they know they have. They talk about what they know they have, where they are, and they talk about what they know they have at the, uh, in the rear tail section of the plane, right? Which is still far away, right? And uh, they talk about, you know, different things, you know, what would we need? How would we do it? And uh, Carlitos, dear sweet Carlitos, 
uh, knows how to sew. And he's the only one who knows how to snow or to snow to sew. He's the only <laughs> one who knows how to sew. And uh, he talks about uh, they remember that in the rear tail section, there's still insulation. Roberto, <laughs> Nando and Antonio go out to the rear section again, make another overnight trip, which is, again, not easy under any circumstances. They could die looking for that. They mm. go and they strip everything they can, everything that could possibly be helpful from the rear section of the plane. The uh, AC unit was in the tail section. So and the, the AC unit has this waterproof material on it. So mm. they strip that they strip the ins- the insulation and they find this like copper wiring set up in in the tail section. And so they they take all of that uh, sleep in this freezing, cold, foreign, far away nothing not not even a shack right and then the next day uh walk back with everything that they have and and nothing was particularly heavy but every pound like every every ounce of extra weight is so so exhausting they come back and carlitos gets down to it he is gonna make sleeping bags for these lads and he uh, teaches some of the other guys how to sew and they just sit there all day sewing with, you know, incredibly primitive tools. Right. Uh, he teaches, uh, I wrote down their names because that was cool. He taught uh, Gustavo, Coche, and Fito. So I know we haven't mentioned all of them, but they were there and uh, Carly just taught them how to sew and they just sat there all day sewing, 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 sewing. Uh, Antonio says he wants to go. So Antonio is uh, Antonio Roberto and Nando have been the three who have gone uh, to both of the overnight expeditions. And Antonio says, "If you're walking out of here, I'm coming with you." Uh, yes, heck yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, so they need to make three of everything, right? So they they have it requires more resources, but they're it's better to have more people, right? Uh, they make three sleeping bags, like inch by inch, stitch by stitch, and they, they have to make them as waterproof as they can. They have to make them as as durable as they can. They have to make them insulated, meaningfully insulated, because, again, they're going to be sleeping in snow in negative 40 degrees during storms, during just freezing cold nights with no cover. There's no anything. So these have to be the greatest sleeping bags that have ever been made. Right. And they finish them. They're as good oh. as they're going to get. Yeah. They're done. They give them the best clothes. So these clothes are really taking a beating anyway. They uh, Each of the... Uh, guys who are going wear three pairs of jeans, four shirts. Remember, there are no coats, uh, hats, four pairs of socks. They wrap uh, like plastic around their shoes to try to waterproof them, you know, just as best they can. Uh, and they look at the maps and they talk about where they, you know, uh, it's this mountain, you know, when we've gone to the fuselage, it's taken this long and they guess three days. So they take three day supply of, of food of, of human flesh uh, for each of them. They've got no map. They have no compass. 
no experience at all, right. no coats, no boots. They go to sleep. Everybody knows tomorrow's the day. And they wake up on December 12th, 61 days after the crash. And get ready to climb. Oh my gosh. Everyone, you know, obviously wakes up together. They'll hug and, you know, say their goodbyes. And they, again, back to that idea that on some deep level, they all believe that they are going to die. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, like, what if we don't? Like, what if they do it? And they, uh, Carlitos is saying goodbye to Nando. And... Nando has a pair of baby shoes Mm. that his mom had bought Mm. for her grandchild in Mendoza, in that little town on the first night, like when they had first set out and they had gotten stopped by a storm and had to stay overnight in that little village. She had bought a pair of baby shoes and he gives one of them to Carlitos and says, can I kiss your rosary? And uh, here's my, like, payment for it. And uh, Carlitos, of course, lets him. And uh, Nando says, like, I'm going to come back for this little baby shoe so that we can put the pair back together. And Carlitos is like, absolutely, man. Yes, you are. And Hmm. uh, Nando says, but if I don't, you, I want you to have the bodies of my mother and my sister to eat. And they have nothing. Like they have nothing. They have no possessions. They have no, there's nothing, right? They they have so, so little. And everybody wants to not do that. But it's really the greatest gift he could possibly give them. They have nothing. So that's, the most he could offer them. And with that, they start. Uh, It's very, very, very early in the morning. Uh, So when they're first setting out, it's, it's not so bad, right? The snow is still pretty frozen. The ground is hard. They're able to, you know, walk forward. Uh, They don't have any oxygen, As the day starts to go by, the snow becomes soft. They sink in up to their waists. They climb one foot, one step, breathe, one step, breathe. Not a single breath that they even could take would give them enough oxygen to actually feel, feel even normal. On the first night, so it, it's starting to get dark, and they're trying to find a place to to set their their uh, sleeping bags down. And this is it, right? Like this is it. If they're gonna, they they might die right now. The guys back at the fuselage can still see them, and they can still see the fuselage, right? Like they they can see each other. They've made it as far as they're going to, and they're looking for a place like that would would support so they won't just you know slide down the mountain. Uh, a storm starts to kick up, so it's imperative that they they need to hunker down now. And it's not really that hunkered down. They find a flat 
ledge immediately beside a crevasse, a deep, wide crevasse. So, I mean, I've been known to feel nervous, like sleeping in a bunk bed with no rails. They have to squeeze into this narrow, flat spot immediately beside an abyss. Gosh. That night... They try not to roll. They hunker down. They get as wrapped up as they're going to. And this storm just rages around them. The guys back at the fuselage, again, I mean, can't see them now that it's night and that there's a storm. But I can't imagine, like, being in the fuselage and listening to the storm and thinking, you know, like, why did we set out? You know, why did they set out tonight? Or any, I mean, just all of the thoughts that could go through your head. Right. But they do wake up the next day and yeah, and they uh, start to continue their hike. And again, the guys, I'm sure back at the fuselage, see them, see that they're walking again and, you know, can feel, I imagine again, intense joy that they're still going and, oh my gosh, this is impossible. Like this is impossible. On the second day, they see, uh, while they're climbing, uh, Roberto looks to the east, right, or like the northeast, which is not the direction they're going in. They're going firmly west. And thinks that he sees uh, a road, maybe? And he points it out to the other guys and Nando again, Nando has been thinking about going West, climbing over this mountain and getting to freedom constantly. That's all he's thought about for months, right? Since he woke up and uh, Roberto was like, but I think like, I think it's a road. Like, I think that's a human road that would definitely like save us. It's very far away. This is not a close by thing, right? So it's not like they can go and check it out and then come back if it's wrong. And so they argue about it and uh, do not arrive at a conclusion. uh, And they... Uh, end up camping out in a spot where they can still see that spot that that Roberto is talking about, uh, but they haven't actually set out um, in that direction. They go to sleep, hunker down. On the third morning, uh, Roberto is really weak Mm. and really tired and probably on just a human level. I've never seen this written. So I'm not trying to slander anybody, but I can imagine being incredibly weak and incredibly miserable and like maybe a little pissed because you think we should go this way. You think we should go this way and I think we should go that way. But I'm I'm sure that's not what motivated him. I'm sure they would have stuck together, but his body is exhausted. And so he stays in Mm. in bed, for lack of a better word, in his in his uh, sleeping bag. Um, Antonio and Nando can see that they are now relatively close, but they're at what is essentially a vertical slope at this point. Uh, but Nando is like, oh my gosh, we can see the top. As soon as we get over that, like, like as soon as I get up there, I'm going to look down and I'm going to see Chile. I'm going to see green fields. I'm going to get home. That's all I need to do. So he like digs, uh, 
uh, stairs into the uh, he he digs stairs out into the snow, just hacking away at it again with with energy that I cannot fathom the source of. He's he climbs, climbs, climbs. Antonio is like, you are literally going too fast. Like you are going to wear yourself out. And Nando is just in the zone. He's just we're so close. He's gonna get there. He digs, 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 climbs, 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 gets to the top. And sees nothing but mountains in every direction. Yeah. That's the worst part of the story for me. It always has been. Yeah. By far. Like after all of that. It's, I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine. It's, yeah. Awful. It's terrible. It's like, there's nothing else to say. It's terrible. Right. anything anything in normal life that you're looking forward to and it doesn't come to fruition or you find out that like oh no you still have to do like two more years of school or whatever like even stuff like that right yeah um or like you'll be up for the next promotion like kind of that like regular stuff can be so discouraging it just knocked Mm -hmm. the wind out of you this is so much more intense (laughs) so much more intense uh and it does knock the wind out of him and he climbs back down to where Roberto is wet, uh, is resting. Uh, Antonio saw it, came back down to where Roberto was waiting. Uh, the three of them just kind of sat there and talked about it. They had... Uh, a little like they brought those little airplane containers of cognac they had had one left and so they had brought it with them and so they're all like sharing this like tiny little bottle of cognac and roberto's like nando if we were not in this situation like look around this is beautiful I, like i can't enjoy the beauty of it at all but it is beautiful. And whether it's, I know the, the, the day's rest. And I think about how in, in good relationships, maybe one person can be a little bit stronger when the other person's a little weaker and vice versa. Mm. And I feel like, like Nando was so, so, so gung ho to get to the top of the mountain because he knew what he was going to see. And Roberto had like rested and apparently meditated on the beauty of the mountains <laughs> and I and and heard that there was no green hills on the other side of this mountain right right and so Nando might feel totally defeated but now Roberto is is like okay yeah so what are we gonna do what mm-hmm. are we gonna do and so now they know it's gonna take way longer they know it's not. This is not a three-day expedition. We are not getting home tomorrow. This is going to take way longer. And so much longer that we are probably going to die. And they talk about everything. And what they land on is like, uh, there's not, there's definitely not enough food for all three of us. Mm. And so Antonio says like, okay, this is, this is you guys. And he, this to me is like 
the most maybe somehow the most morbidly funny part of the whole thing mm-hmm. so it has taken them this is day three right they have used energy unfathomable strength of will and and physical strength to get to where they are it has taken them days and days they can still see the fuselage no they can still see it Antonio says like okay guys like you got this sits down on like the little um like the cushion the seat cushions that they had brought with them and and sleds back down to the fuselage oh, in less than an hour my gosh in less than an hour I, I think like i think about nando and roberto like saying their like last goodbye to their friend and yeah. watching him like shoop down like the greatest sled of all time right worst, worst greatest i don't know right. and the guys at the fuselage who like this is the best thing on tv right now they're watching their friends try to rescue them right yeah and all of a sudden you see one of them sled down and i don't know well and it's know. like if like it took an hour that's accurate like that i'm not yes, like it took less than an hour tell that's me if accurate, it's accurate a statement of fact it was less than an hour for him to get back down but like um i can just imagine being somebody like watching this happen and being like okay he's coming back right. down this is amazing news but it's like that anticipation over like it's a very long time like it's very short comparatively no. in the context of it right. but like watching like our great friend who has been gone for three days and we're watching them climb up and they're coming back down this must be great news right you're hoping and that's probably what they're right. doing they're probably sitting there talking about how like oh my gosh like one of them coming is coming back, back. I, yeah right one of them right and and uh like what do you think it means do you think they're gonna say like hey chili's right here like let's go or do you think right. he's, what or is he gonna say that nando broke his leg or like what is he gonna say and like guessing and you know hoping or not hoping whatever you know and oh so nando and roberto watch their friend sled down this massive climb they've just done and they turn around and they climb up. They get to the top where Nando had been the day before. They look around, uh, Roberto seeing it for the first time, and he says, oh, we're dead. It's like, yeah, we're dead. But they talk, right? They have a high vantage point now, and uh, they... Uh, are still not necessarily agreeing on whether to go west or to go back toward what what Roberto thought might be a road. So they talk about it, and Nando like points out, you know, you can see that that the the mountains ahead of us, like that that way ahead of us, you can see that some of the mountains are lower, and if you look way way ahead of us, you can see that some of the mountains don't have snow on top of them because again, perspective is extremely difficult here, right? But, but if those mountains don't have snow, they must be shorter. If we go west, we know there is no question that rescue exists to the west. But we have no idea if there's rescue in the other direction. 
And Roberta says, like, okay, okay. Nando says, we may be walking to our deaths, but I would rather meet my death than wait for it to come to me. Mm. And Roberto, I'm going to cry, says, you and I are friends, Nando. We have been through so much. Let's go die together. Wow. And started to climb down. Knowing that in a couple, whenever, they're going to have to climb back up and climb back down and climb back up. On and on. Gosh. They hiked for days and days and days. They actually get to that little valley that Nando had pointed out, that little spot where the, where the mountains were, were, didn't have snow on top. And they get to that little spot and they find a stream, which they follow to a river. And they become aware that they have dipped down below the snow line. So they are below where snow is going to exist year-round. And that means that stuff is going to start to grow. So there's grass. And they, as they walk day after day, no food at Mm. all left. Walking, 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 walking. They see what looks like a campsite. Not not a campsite that's in use, not like a campsite like Yosemite or whatever, but but a spot where it looks like humans had camped. Mm. They walk, 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 and on the ninth day, they see a cow. Oh Goddamn God. cow. A domesticated cow, cow that a human being put there so that he could eat it later. And they, but they're, they see that cow and it's good news. They are exhausted, more exhausted than most people ever have been or ever will be. Exhausted to their bones, starving thirsty, drained. Roberto is really starting to suffer. He's really, really struggling. They realize that they're in a place where they can actually build a fire. They can find scraps of wood. They, there's People are making fires here when they camp. So... They know that Roberto needs to rest. They both need to rest. So they're gathering uh, firewood as they go, slowly, slowly, and they come to a river, a wide, raging river, Uh, and they decide that that's where they're going to camp. They've started to collect some firewood. They collect a little more, and they look across the river and see a literal cowboy oh yes cowboy mariah fuck full-blown caballero (laughs) and they see him and he's the first person they've seen in this entire time 
and they start to yell to him, right? And uh, two other cowboys come out. So there's three cowboys and they see them, like they see each other, right? And they're yelling, but they can't hear over the the sound of the river so the the cowboys cannot hear them and again unfathomable right and uh one of the cowboys just yells manana which is tomorrow and then they leave yeah oh oh god again we're back to that like joy and despair thing right like oh my gosh oh my gosh a person we saw a person they saw us this is happening and then they leave and i just oh my gosh (laughs) so they sleep they build a fire there's no food left they sleep the next day boy if one of those cowboys didn't come back (laughs) on the other side of the river Right. So the river is not passable at this point. Right. And the uh, cowboy ties a piece of paper and a pencil to a rock and throws it over the river to them. Right. And so they can like, what's up, guys? Like, I don't understand. Right. And I'm going to read this in Spanish. And if I uh, don't like it, then I'll take it out. (laughs) Okay. So I'll read it in English, too. So, uh Nando writes down on this piece of paper, Vengo de un avión que cayó en las montañas. Soy uruguayo. Hace ten días que estamos caminando. Tengo un amigo herido arriba. En el avión quedan 14 personas erradas. Tenemos que salir rápido de aquí y no sabemos cómo. No tenemos comida. Estamos débiles. Cuando nos van a buscar arriba, por favor, no podemos ni caminar. Mm. ¿Dónde estamos? Which you understand. Yeah. Wow. But in English, so I can understand it. Yes, please. Because <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can read this, but I cannot understand it. <laughs> so in English, he wrote, "I came from a plane that fell in the mountains. I'm Uruguayan. We've been walking for ten days." I have a wounded friend up here. In the plane, there are still 14 injured people. We have to get out of from here quickly, and we don't know how. We don't have any food. We are weak. When are you going to fetch us? Please, we cannot even walk. Where are we? And they watch this cowboy read their note and look over at them. Read the note again. And then he gave them a thumbs up. Yeah. And then he got on his horse and trotted away. <laughs> no, that's not true. He right. he threw them sorry. There's one extra piece. He he did do that, but so he read the note, looked at them, reads the note, looks at them, reads it again. He takes his lunch, yeah. which is just like bread common food right wraps it up to the rock again and throws it over and then gives them a thumbs up gets on the horse trots away Mm. because carlos paez had been by his village oh this cowboy this cowboy knew that someone was looking for these guys 
it is a 10 day horseback ride from civilization still nope 10 hour let's edit. oh my god i was <laughs> like, editing, so. i was like no they will die we can't they, <laughs> they won't will survive they no, will no, die no, 10 hours 10 hours 10 i haven't seen too much so <laughs> no i should do but uh the so the uh, sergio catalan is the cowboy right he had talked to carlos Pais's father he hops on this horse and he rides 10 hours 10 hours that's how remote they were though yeah it's it's crazy and 10 hours is a long time to be on a horse period right 10 hours it's a long time to be in a car right right exactly (laughs) it's a long time to do anything right so our boy sergio so we got sergio too it's a good name solid love him uh he hops on that horse rides and rides he sees another cowboy and he says like like hey like pass it on he follows the river he gets he crosses the bridge he goes the whole way right and he finds a truck he stops a truck and he says can you uh take me to the police station that's in the next village like they are very 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 remote it is actually amazing that they ran into these cowboys it is unbelievable that they just happen to be there cowboys like the reason they're on horseback the reason that whole job exists is because the grazing lands are so 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 vast right so right they it's a really nice thing that they ran into him (laughs) yeah so he gets to the police station and says like uh this happened right saw these boys here's the note right uh you remember the guy you remember carlos paez he's been asking about these guys i found him or they found me whatever and uh the like government was i mean shock does not begin to explain it right like they are extremely shocked because it has been at this point 71 days my word 71 days so like this is a joke like this is a joke it feels right i can't even imagine right i can't imagine but also why is this like cowboy taking like a a a 12-hour journey to tell us a weird lie with like a note and stuff right and so they uh he he tells them and they you know start to fire up a rescue mission right but uh word gets out fast so the news also explodes like oh my gosh did somebody survive is this possible uh and it really 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 blows up really quickly so the chilean air force uh sends three helicopters to uh rescue the boys who are still back at the fuselage who have i just they've been waiting so they have no idea they uh actually in order to get to say it with me kuriko oh my god (laughs) we're finally actually there they uh i know it's actually super cloudy but that isn't mountainous right so they they fly through the clouds which isn't ideal right but they want to get there as fast as possible they um come to where roberto and nando are being held by the army in this case uh who are interviewing them and asking them questions uh roberto uh roberto is 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 not doing well he's Mm -hmm. he's his his body has really really suffered and um, Nando, whatever it is, Nando is uh, at this point 
97 pounds God. of determination to rescue the rest of his friends as fast wow. as possible. His dad's not there yet anyway, so okay. He says, he shows them the map that he brought, and he says, this is, I think, where we were. And he volunteers. He says, I'll go with you. Oh, I'll my God. I'll go with you back to that place. Not I know. Not a fucking chance. I know. Not a fucking chance. He was also in a plane crash, right? right? That's it's like what going I mean. back is no. he was he was in a plane crash two months ago. Nah. And then and it was bad, guys. It was really bad. It was a bad and now he's time. gonna go Ooh, he's gonna go back to that place God. in a helicopter, which is more dangerous than a plane. Maybe yeah. not more dangerous than that particular plane, unfortunately, but like more dangerous, right? Yeah. Whatever. Nando no. wants he's gotta he's gotta get that baby shoe and his friends. So he uh talks uh he uh, says i'll go with you i'll show you the way and uh they're like yeah let's go and uh so they keep one of the helicopters which this only makes me sick because they kept one of the helicopters like back and sent two be- in case one of them fucking crashes Jeez. which like oh my gosh guys right right <laughs> like oh good vibes only please god. so no it's it's wise i'm sure but it's just like oh my gosh right. like, no more suffering so uh they uh nando gets on uh they uh it's cloudy so and it's mountains and sunset is super early so they have to wait so on the 22nd of december their flight was on october 13th their original flight on December 22nd, oh God. two of the helicopters carrying, so there was two rescue personnel and uh, Nando in one of them. So five people, two helicopters uh, hop in and take off. Uh, the, like, as they're flying there, the, the people in the helicopter with Nando are like, you, you, you walked? You oh walked? My God. You walked over this? Because they're looking down at it and it's, like impassable train. This mm. is, it is impossible to exaggerate how unbelievable this is. Yeah. They, I cannot imagine the feeling like the, the guys who now have been like waiting for 12 days, have been waiting and waiting for maybe nothing, right? Maybe nothing. They don't know if they, if they died, they don't know if they're alive they're just doing they're in that you know their brains aren't working right they're trying to get enough water and i just imagine like at some point they would be able to hear the helicopters but it it wouldn't you wouldn't quite know for sure that it was helicopters yet Mm. and i just imagine it like coming in and being like not wanting to hope not wanting to like yeah it it probably i i can't imagine and oh my gosh, if Nando doesn't come down on a helicopter. Oh my gosh. Nando. Nando, who rose on the third day. Yes. Who told them it just he's back. So it's a very, very, very difficult rescue under any circumstances. And so they're not able to get all of the guys back in one day, right? Oh my so god. So they take half of them the ones who are suffering the most. Uh, so there was there were 16 people. Nando and Roberto are are have walked out. So there's 14 people. So they take seven on board and go back. And then the the 
the rescue guys flew back to the mountain, like flew back to where the other, the last seven were and slept there with them. Overnight. Oh my gosh. Which is still dangerous. It's not like it's gotten safe. Where did they park the helicopter? I literally cannot. Like, I don't know. I literally can't I even picture all. it. And wouldn't like. I don't know at all. Fine. That's. I'm very happy they did that. But that gives me so much anxiety. I mean, I like, <laughs> what if you start an avalanche? What if it falls right. down the hill? There's a lot of possibilities right. here, guys. Right. I don't know. Just on that human level, just not being able to leave them because right. there, there are skeletons at this. Point. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day they wake up and they fly back. Mm. And by this time, people's families have started to arrive. Oh my gosh. Carlos Paz was already there. Yeah, he was. His son, his beloved son, Carlitos. I cannot imagine. Like, no. And just this, I mean, Javier, his four kids. Yeah. He's alive and. Mm. So, people are asking, how did you survive? Yeah. Like, what did you eat? And at first they say, like, um, like chocolate. Uh, we, like, foraged for herbs and stuff. And people are like... No, you didn't. Right. There there aren't those where you were. Nothing grows there. And they had taken some pictures. Like the rescue team had taken some pictures. Mm. And people are starting to be like, no, guys, really, what did you eat? And they're avoiding talking about it. And... This whole time that they were up there, they've had this fear that they were sinning yeah, by eating the bodies of their friends who had died. And they were afraid that they were going to be excommunicated, that they were going to be, you know, not, not just the like ridicule, but, but they were really afraid that God was mad at them Mm. for what they had done and so they didn't talk to the reporters but they asked if they could see a priest for confession Mm. and i like think about what the priest would have been thinking when he walked in so these guys just came out of the out of the mountains after months and they ask for confession like i can't what right i don't know and so they brought the priest in and that's private, right? So it's just them and the priest and they said what they had done. And this is it. Like this is the make or break moment because if this priest says it was a sin, if this priest is disgusted, I mean, that's, uh, That's there's no like normal, right. And the priest listened to them and said, not a sin. Oh, thank God. Nothing to be sorry for. No need to confess. No need to um, 
worry about it. He said, yeah, basically the same thing they had said, which is, you know, Eucharist is a pretty big part of the Catholic church. Right. You know, and your, your experiences were horrible, but you did what you had to do to survive. And it's good that you survived. Mm. And that, thank God, gave them the strength to then face the public as people did come to realize how they had survived. And at first there was uh, a lot of uh, like disgust and everything in the media, mm. people, the rumors that they had murdered their friends to eat them, stuff like that. And for whatever, for better or for worse, what actually like turned the tide on that was the fact that they said um, that we had a pact, that we had all given permission to one another. We, I would have been glad to know that my friends could have survived if I died. Mm, right. And so people thankfully came around. I do still think this is a story that's kind of told as like a, like gross weird out fact or whatever, yeah. but, but the people they had to see, um, I guess understood as best they could. Mm. Um, the, so Nando's dad had lost he thought his wife, his daughter, and his son all in the same day. And so over the past two months, Nando had gotten rid of all of Nando's stuff. Mm. Had just purged it from the house. And oh my gosh, he got his son back. And I know yeah. it's like a really small thing. I mean, he's so, so, so happy, right? But but I just think about the the weirdness of adjusting, right? An impossible adjustment. Right. Impossible. Um, <laughs> Carlos Paez got to see Carlitos. I, I, yeah. I'm sure each and every one of these guys has, you know, like a story of, of joy and suffering and sadness. And there's uh, the question of what do you do? So under normal circumstances, the rescuers would have brought back bodies but once this came out, it was kind of like, oh, uh, maybe we don't bring back the bodies. Maybe we don't bring them back. And um, so they, they actually sent up a team to bury all of the bodies wow. in a um, communal grave and then burn everything else. So they burned the fuselage. They burned everything. Um, there was, so do you remember, uh, Raphael, he was one of the boys who had had a compound fracture and got gangrene. Mm -hmm. His father wanted his body and Raphael had actually said to the guys, I want to be buried at home. Like I know I'm going to die and I, I want to be buried at home. And Raphael's father, I, oh God, I, it's that thing where there's so much like happiness and joy for people who survived, but I can't imagine being a family of someone who had died and then yeah. hearing that people survived and then going through all of that again. But now at least they knew that that door is shut. You can, you have some, I guess, a version of closure. closure. Yeah. Um, so Ricardo Echeverian, though, he, 
he now knows that his son wanted his body to be returned. And he like lobbies hard. He said, this is what my son wanted. I should be able to get it. It's my son's body. Like that's mine. And he was denied. And our boy Ricardo climbed into those fucking mountains with the team and dug his son out. Oh my God. So the, the remains were, were marked. So a priest had gone up as part of that, that that process had been a priest going along when the bodies were initially buried and their bodies. So it wasn't, it's a communal grave, but everybody's um, body are separated and marked. Mm -hmm. So he went up and he dug up, that uh, body and because that's his son um, and do you remember that road that um, that Roberto had seen yeah it, it was it was a road oh, actually God. and there's no way of saying what's easier right like it's not it's whatever it might have they were meant to see been, those cowboys they needed to see those cowboys yeah. but that road I know I, I talked about this a little bit I think just that there was a hotel and again, yes, that hotel yeah. was not, it, there was no version of the story where they just walked over a hill and there was a hotel. It's not right. like that. They were extremely remote. But that hotel, which is very, very, very remote and did go out of business like the next year. It wasn't whatever. Um, that's where <laughs> Ricardo was staying when he went up to retrieve his son's body. And he got wow. there and they freaking arrested him. And he what? was very mad about that. Right. He was just like, you can't arrest me. And so, and a judge ended up throwing it out. So the only body of someone who died up there that's not still there is Raphael's body. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and I guess the last thing I'll say about this is that 16 men lived mm. and 15 of them are still alive right now. Wow. Almost all of them are still alive. I believe Javier is the only one who's not alive and he was already older. He was already, I think, 15 years older than most of them. Wow. So, yep. All of the rugby team players are still alive. I am That's... in shock. I didn't realize that they were still alive. Yeah. Yeah. The human body is really incredible. That's it's insane. So much trauma. It's, it's insane. It's uh, my yeah, word. I can't. Wow. That is the incredibly long story of <laughs> the old Christians rugby team. Uh, I've never heard it quite like the way you told it. And I'm so glad that we did this. Uh, Such a I'm good story. Is, Holy cow. What a treat for me to get to talk about my favorite story. I know favorite yeah. story is such a weird phrase. I just have to use it. But um, yeah. I, survival stories are kind of, I guess all of our stories are hoping to be survival stories. Mm -hmm. So any survival story is, is always kind of my, yes. it's very inspiring to me. It's like very so inspiring. It's just ugh, like the extreme of, of what people can overcome. And right. So I obviously did. I mean, there's literally no way to not leave stuff out of this story. Um, and there's some stuff that I think 
So what exactly happened on what day between like day 18 and day 34? That information just might not exist anymore yeah. to a certain extent, right? They were surviving. Their minds are cloudy. They're going here, there, whatever. You know what I mean? They're they're doing right. their best. Um, but if you want more details, so um, Nando Parada wrote a book about it. And Roberto Canesa wrote a book about that. Mm. Um, I don't. I think Roberto Canesa's book is harder to find in English, um, whereas Nando Parada's book is is very accessible mm. uh, in English. Um, and the what was I going to say? There's like really good documentaries. There's really good. There's a movie mm-hmm. about it. There's you know a lot if you wanted to dig into this more. Um, I will say visual media, particularly the movie. I think. Um, does a much better job than this auditory medium ever could keeping everybody straight yeah right just talking about their individual personalities and things like that so i was gonna um, say i could envision the cowboy scene in my mind as you were saying it for whatever reason that was the only one particular like Mm -hmm. nothing else Mm -hmm. is in my memory except that cowboy scene (laughs) i think i just black out trauma permanently in my mind but yeah yeah only the good part Oh, Sergio. But it's so oh, good. That's like a f- yes, actually, there's like a funny little thing with that. So um, there was some kind of memorial that was held. <coughs> pardon me. Years later. I'm going to choke to death. I'm <laughs> choke to death. Do I have COVID? It's hard to say. So, oh, no. Like years later, um, uh, they went back to the site where... They had been where they had first seen Sergio Catalan, the cowboy, right? Mm. They went back to that spot as part of like a remembrance memorial. And oh my gosh, they look and there's a cowboy and it's Sergio because this no is way. his turf. <laughs> yes. But like 20 years later, oh he my was God. still like, yeah, Sergio's just riding his horse, herding his cows. Sergio. Love him. Sergio. Oh, what a hero. For the ages. Truly a hero. Just a remote cowboy, just saving lives. Oh, keeping that promise. That, right. I just feel like it would just crush my spirit if yeah. like, you saw somebody and just watched them like ride away. I just, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and I wonder like, how he felt afterwards. Like, shit, I told them to wait a whole day. <laughs> no, really. And again, yeah. I, there's the, oh my gosh, but they're so... <sighs> It's very hard to um, to take everything in, and there's parts that are um, more well documented than others, just because there's people who were alive to write books, and there's people who weren't. Right, like the right the two Rafael and Arturo who um, had the severe who survived severe injuries for a long time for a, a month, right, over a month. I think about, like, we don't really get their perspective, which is a horrible tragedy because, I don't know. I mean, they were sick, but mm. the yeah everybody else is, I don't know, just their psychological experience, their, you know, things like that. But that's, yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's a heck of a story. It is a heck of a story. And it's, it's, mm, I don't know, no words. 
There's really no words. It's incredible. The amount of survival that it would take, like the amount of will to survive that it would take. Right. Right. Man. The, uh, the graves, uh, plaque that they put up at the communal grave, um, says, uh, let me try the Spanish. El mundo a sus hermanos uruguayos cerca o Dios de ti. And in English, that's the world to its Uruguayan brothers, close, O oh God, to thee. I would say it's probably near, O oh God, mm. to thee. It would probably be a better translation, but, mm. but, um, wow. yeah. My goodness. So I gotta, I gotta watch this movie. I haven't seen it in so yeah. long. Dear friends, if you wanna, if you wanna have a hangout and we watch the movie, email us and let us know. Yeah, it's always fun. That'd be um, a fun time. But I think time. we have to. I know this is two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's a long episode. So good do, though. This might be a short. This might be a short conversation. But I was gonna say, how do you feel? Like, do you, would you have like this is the question everybody asks when they hear this story? I think in common conversation is, would you do that? Like, would you eat? No. Oh, you wouldn't. No. No. Well, if <laughs> this is maybe going down mean, a little bit, don't of let a my dark... shock sway you. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is maybe going down a little bit of a darker path, but I just, I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't like care enough to live. Like if I'm being 100% honest, I would just be like, nah, there's, you know, nah. Like the despair. Yeah. I much. just, yeah. Like physically, I don't think I could do it. If, if I had, if there was, if I was in that situation, I had some sort of external spiritual force willing me forward to live fuck yeah i'd eat people to survive but Mm -hmm. uh i don't think that i i don't think i'd get to that point i would just be like all right now i'm I'm out yeah what about you a hundred percent like day one i'd be like let's get these bodies a hundred percent no and i don't even eat yeah you don't I even don't meet. Eat meat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't eat meat, darling friends. Like, but no, a hundred percent. I and like no, and I know that I don't want to be disrespectful to people for whom that's like a harder moral or ethical question. Mm. Yeah. It is just not a difficult moral ethical question to me. No. It, me I either. just feel like and I hope I hope that in fact, Mariah, I hope that you would eat my body. That is what I hope for. <laughs> so now now you're stuck with that. Yeah. <laughs> so remember my words. God forbid, it, but <laughs> right. I think honestly, I think it would really depend on who I was with. Actually, is is really the deciding yeah. factor. Like, if I could, if it was, you know, like a, as caring of a situation as it could be. But if like I was with a bunch of assholes, absolutely not. Like, done. I'm not mm. doing this. Like, you know, like if the world shrinks to just these jerks, like yeah. only these jerks, then I don't want to be with these. Then jerks. I am. Out, yeah, exactly. Like, <sighs> no, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a tough call. I mean, it's but, impossible to say from yeah, this end of it. Exactly, but yeah, absolutely. If I had to get to that point where I, yeah, absolutely, I yeah. need people. I do not mean this in like a. Uh, again, I because I don't think this is like a. There's no competition, right? Like people yeah. of the world. If you feel like the answer is yes or no, fret not. Hopefully this will never happen. Right. But I feel like, um, the, like people who don't know what they would do, 
like I believe like I believe you and you say you don't know. Yeah. Right? And you would find out in that experience. I feel very confident that I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that people who who know that they would, I imagine I, I imagine it would actually be challenging um in the initial, right? Um I don't want to take away from that yeah. at all, especially because it's not strangers. These are your friends. Right. Sure. I think and it would be more so hard physically than morally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the physical experience would be very difficult. But I also think that that's where, where instinct wins. Your body always yeah. wins. And that can be the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> like your body wins every single time. So if yeah. you're at war with your body, you need to stop doing that because your body that's, wins every time. Right. Right. You have to. Take care of it. What we've and learned this episode, your brain is stupid and your body wins. Right. Every time, baby. Every time. Every time. Your 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 body and like your soul. Yeah. yeah. Like the your brain is superfluous, but yeah. Uh, so it's uh, so funny. Wow. Great uh, job, man. Yeah. That was that was a that was a ride. It's a lot. I'm still horrified that they them. went back so many times in a helicopter. Oh, I know. That's horrifying to me. I know. I know. But I think it's extremely unlikely that anybody connected to this will hear this. But I always try to be mindful that that's possible. Yeah. And like, again, I can't exaggerate how how inspiring this is to me. I yeah. don't want to like claim, like take personal claim over someone else's story. But like this is really affects me profoundly and i'm yeah. glad that everyone who lived lived yeah but, yeah absolutely yeah. <sighs> i think i'm gonna I save my fact I... for next week okay why because the episode is over two hours long <laughs> no <Nah, laughs> maybe just, I'll turn this is this is a great uh ending point i feel like yeah i'll take it i'll do all the read email us and stuff everyone knows how to email yeah us, everyone knows I'll say it after the after the little ding ding do do so <laughs> I love you. I love you, Mariah. Thanks for telling the story. Thank you for listening and for (laughs) being here. And I love every last one of you. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, this episode was such a beast thank you so 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 much if you're listening to this i cannot possibly thank you more for your kindness and your grace and your understanding we uh love every one of you and i love this story i i don't want to take away from the tragedy i don't want to take away anything from those who lost their loved ones but i just can't get enough of this story and it's been so much fun to get to share it with all of you thank you for listening Uh, you can email us if you have any questions any corrections anything to add at thepodcrashed at gmail.com you can find us on instagram and tiktok Uh, we love hearing from you if you like the show you could review us on apple podcasts that actually really helps because it helps the apple algorithm know we exist um we just love you so grateful for all of your kindness uh we've already recorded next week's episode so 
barring any inane buzzing on that episode, I promise we're going to get back on track. Thank you. We love you. See you soon. Bye, guys.